Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's show is about how we can connect with our innate healing potential through energy medicine. On this show, we'll be featuring our guest, Dr. Jacqueline Chan. Dr. Chan is a board certified in integrative holistic medicine and practices in California. She is a professor at Energy Medicine University, as well as part-time faculty member at the Academy of Intuition Medicine. She has been practicing medicine for 22 years and uses tools such as herbal medicine, nutrition, heavy metal detox, osteopathic manipulation, nutrition, bio-identical hormone balancing, and functional lab analysis. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Chan. Thank you, Yasmin. So can you tell us, maybe for our audience who doesn't really understand what energy medicine means, maybe you could uh, d- define the term energy medicine. Uh, energy medicine is the, it's really the acknowledgement that we are more than just our musculoskeletal system and our blood system. We also have a biofield. And that biofield is invisible to the naked eye, and it consists of what some of us may have already heard of called chakras and an auric field. And so it's based on electromagnetic fields that go around the body. And with um, skilled training, a person can actually shift their own biofield or they can receive assistance from somebody skilled in that area to um, clear their biofield of blockages. And some of you may have heard of something called healing touch. There's many studies proving that healing touch helps um, in hospitals applied by nurses. Some of you may have heard of Reiki. Um, Some of you may have heard of certain electroceutical machines that use frequency or electrical um, PEMF and things of that nature, different microcurrents. All of those, in a way, are a form of energy medicine. Um, at the Academy of Intuition Medicine, I learned a particular branch of that in which there's no machine involved. And one of the reasons why is that human energy coming from the heart is tremendously powerful and it's considered spectroscopic. And um, and so I'll, I'll pause here. <laughs> Great. Okay. Thank you for the really fascinating definition of energy medicine. Uh, I'd like to move on to the next question. You mentioned in one of your articles that modern medicine is an outmoded science. Can you tell me more about what that means, what that specifically meant? Yeah. So, you know, modern medicine is really based on Cartesian medicine. And, uh, and it's uh, it's really looking at solid matter and chemistry and pharmaceuticals and surgery, which have all been you know fabulous uh, uh, improvements um, compared to blood leaching and and giving mercury and things of that nature. But um, this type of science that we know about now is uh, quantum physics and quantum field. And so if you really look at this um, modern science, um, it, it really is a complete radical departure from the way we define um, how we look at things as solid matter. And um, 
you know, in certain fields such as like radiology, they understand this somewhat. But when, when you think that the heart, for example, they've measured the field of the brain and they've measured the field of the heart. And most of us would think that the field of the brain is larger than the field of the heart. But actually the brain's ener uh, magnetic field ends at about 15 feet off of our body. And it's um, measured by neurologists with an EEG, the, looking at the output of the brain waves when they're uh, looking at if somebody's had a seizure or not. And then we have this other way of measuring our heart um, field by looking at an EKG, which if you ever have chest pain and you went to an emergency room, they would be checking you for a heart attack. But the electromagnetic field of the heart, they actually cannot find an end to it. It actually goes out to infinity. And if you think about the heart, I think probably almost everyone listening to this can remember a time in their lives when they had a certain urge, they thought about somebody, um, and either in a good way or in a in a, an alarming way, and then they found out that you know that person um, may have passed away or something you know um, difficult had happened to them or something really good like a child was born. You know, so I think we can all relate in some ways to feeling or sensing something about someone we really feel connected to and we love, and then getting some news about that person or maybe that they called. And so that's somewhat of a mystery because we haven't really, you know, we don't tend to think about the importance of that in medicine. Now, the indigenous people uh, and the indigenous cultures had a profound understanding of our interrelatedness to all of life forms and our interrelatedness also in nonlinear time to the past and our ancestors. And um, they really honored this. And so there's a way in which when we reduced science to only what was measurable and visible by the naked eye or the microscopic eye, we really um, divorced ourselves from an entire branch of medicine that, that is showing that we're all interconnected and um, that there are certain states in our physical body, I would say the state of harmony or coherence, which is profoundly good for the body. And it does things like balance the heart rate variability. And they have shown that when your heart rate variability, which can actually be measured, and it can even be measured you know, on an iPhone app through HeartMath, um, that when your heart rate variability is healthy, that balances the autonomic nervous system, which, you're, which is your sympathetic stress um, and alarm system and your parasympathetic relaxation and heal system. And so you want those systems of your nervous system to be balanced in order for you to have a healthy outlook and have healthy adrenal system and healthy mental system. And so this is all something that is very different from the type of science where you're measuring, let's say, a substance that's in the blood or, um, or not present in a blood and you're trying to give it with a pharmaceutical drug. So it's a very different approach. And I think that when we start embracing this other form of our anatomy and this other branch of medicine and really bring it into the forefront, um, then there's a lot more exciting things that we, that we can see happen in modern medicine.
Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting. It seems like there's um, this approach is more proactive rather than reactive, which is kind of Western medicine's approach is after something happens, then you can, you know, give the patient something. Exactly. And uh, they say in Chinese medicine, a good Chinese doctor doesn't have a single sick patient, you know, because it's all about prevention. Whereas here we look at, you know, we diagnose disease after the fact and then we go out and we surgically help the issue or we pharmaceutically help the issue. That's the tendency. And so, you know, an ounce of prevention is, is worth a lot, obviously. Interestingly, um, Fritz Popp, actually, he was a physicist who discovered that Every cell has its own electromagnetic field and its own voltage that goes across the cell membrane. And he discovered that cells that become cancerous change their voltage and begin to scramble photonic light. And so you actually see a changing in the light and the way light functions in the cell before the disease even develops. And certainly from the Academy um, of Intuition Medicine, we can see that there are certain ways in which you can perceive impediments in the auric field and in the chakras that when those are shifted, there is a dramatic change in the person's state of mind, emotional well-being, and then sometimes even in their physical well-being, their physical well-being will change. And I have had those experiences with issues of pain that my patients have had. Pain and disease has been shifted without anything that they take and without any surgery, but by the mere shifting of photonic light energy. Wow. I'm also curious about the placebo effect and uh -huh. um, how people sort of use their minds to uh, overcome certain ailments at the emotional and spiritual level. Is that something that you've had, um, you know, any access to or have studied in the past? Well, I have to quote. Um, I mean, I feel like I want to refer to a friend of mine, Lissa Rankin, who's written a lot about the placebo effect. Um, she's a best-selling author. And um, she's written a book about the fear cure um, and also um, the placebo effect, I believe, is about a 60%. Um, I may be misquoting here. But, you know, what the placebo effect alludes to is someone's faith and someone's intention. And we know that someone's intention is really powerful. In fact, there was a professor at Stanford University named William Tiller who discovered that our intention can actually change the electron size and mass and number of electrons. So essentially, the strength of our intention and focus can shift reality through electrons. That is an extremely powerful statement. So I think if someone has a very strong intention, and that intention could also be a very strong spiritual faith, you know, like just I'm determined to get well. It is not, you know, I have an unshakable faith that you know, God's going to come forward or however you want to say it, you know, Allah, if you want to say divine intelligence, you know, that it is that healing can happen for me. And I think that the power of that intention and the strength of the focus has tremendous 
effect. So, you know, you could say that placebo is dealing with some of those aspects. Um, in fact, in shamanism, they say that one of the basic elements of power is the power of intent. Fascinating. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm kind of curious, you know, what kind of patient usually comes in to to see you for help? Uh, you, most of my patients have been to a lot of other doctors, and they haven't gotten answers, um, or they um, aren't really sick, like they don't have a disease, but they know they're not well, and they want to be well to be much higher functioning. So essentially... Um, I'm a bit of a sleuth, and I use a lot of labs that other doctors don't use. Um, I would put them under the category of functional medicine. Um, We look at things like the microbiome in the gut. We look at the bacteria in the gut through stool analysis. We look at digestive enzymes. We look at viruses and bacteria that that are, I call them stealth viruses that most physicians may not consider ordering. I also like to optimize hormone levels. So for example, a woman, a woman's uh, estrogen can be anywhere from 10 to 600. That's a huge range in which you could say, well, your, your estrogen levels are normal. And I like to use more optimal levels. Same with a man. A man's testosterone can be 200 to 900. You know, so I like to, I look, I like to um, look at different reference ranges and rather than wait for disease to happen, really understand how the body is a symphony and there's an orchestration that's happening through the whole thing and optimize the physiology. I also use um, natural substances such as vitamin D or vitamin C or N-acetylcysteine to drive certain reactions in the body that are really supportive. So for example, there's an antioxidant called glutathione, which is the most powerful antioxidant for the brain and the liver. And if you take N-acetylcysteine, 600 milligrams twice a day or three times a day, that's going to create more glutathione in your body. So if you were drinking alcohol, you know, you could take N-acetylcysteine and that's going to help support your liver as you're breaking down alcohol. Not that I'm supporting alcohol, but, you know, we're in a soup of toxins. And then sometimes we do things that add on a little bit more toxic layer because, you know, we're dealing with certain stresses. Um, and, uh, And then the other thing is environmental toxins. So environmental toxins, there's a whole branch of medicine called the American Academy of Environmental Medicine. And it looks at certain toxins in our air, you know, from auto exhaust fumes, from um, chemtrails in the air. It looks at toxins in our water, drinking water, and on our vegetables and fruits and in our meats. And that some of these toxins can last up to 60 to 100 years in your body. For example, plastic from can actually water in a plastic bottle we actually absorb BPA from water that we drink out of a plastic bottle. Those plastic bottles that are really mushable, you always want to drink out of a plastic bottle that's a nat- like a Nalgene that's a really strong one, or ideally glass, you know, glass or porcelain, like the old-fashioned days when we didn't use plastic bottles. But now almost everyone is drinking out of plastic bottles, and then those bottles end up in the ocean. But they actually have just, they thought that 
BPA from plastic would just be urinated out of our system, and it's not. It actually stays in our system, and it becomes an endocrine disruptor. And um, so that means it becomes a hormone disruptor. So there are certain things that you can do to detox. So looking at our chemical burden and supporting annual detox or twice a year detox really helps. Um, and we know that even if you look at cancer rates among um, sea mammals, like um, dolphins and whales, they're going up as high as bladder cancer rates in humans. You know, same thing with our furry pets, dogs. I mean, why are those animals getting more cancer? You know, they're not drinking more or smoking more or in more toxic relationships or, you know, they're just going about in the environment, but our environment has more chemicals. So that's another aspect of what I do. And is there um, any experience where you do not use this methodology or approach with your patients when they come in? Like The is- energy medicine? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, many of my patients... I'd have to say some of my patients don't know that I do any energy medicine at all. Um, probably about half of them don't know. And so I, I usually don't ever do it on the first visit. Um, I would set up a separate visit for it. Um, but um, I kind of, it's sort of an intuitive feel, you know, who, who's going to be open to this. And you have to develop a relationship of trust because it's, you know, when you're receiving energy medicine, you're really kind of putting yourself in a, in a vulnerable position in a way. It's a little like going under hypnotherapy. People get afraid of what you're going to see or what you're going to find out or, you know, that you don't have any control, what's going to happen to me. You have to realize that um, each one of us, we believe one of our core beliefs at the um, in energy medicine is that we have a spirit or a soul that is this divine intelligence that we're connected to that's with us our entire life. And you could think of it as your best friend. I mean, some people go... Oh, absolutely. I'm, I, you know, I talk to that part of myself all the time. And for other people, um, you could be blocked from that, or maybe you had a strong connection with your spirit self and then something bad happened in life and it was, um, you know, it was blocked, you know, or thwarted or sometimes deep betrayal can cause you to shut down. And then you kind of lose that inner voice, you know, that inner voice of truth, that inner voice that guides you. And so what happens in an energy medicine session is um, really the spirit is revealing as it feels safe what is up. And so really the only thing that's going to be touched upon is what the spirit in each person feels is safe to be seen and and work on and work through. So the number one issue with patients really is to establish a sense of safety. They have to feel safe with me and they have to feel like they can trust me. And so I essentially wait for that point. And if people come in and they say, you know, I heard you on the radio show, or I definitely want an intuitive session, I can even give intuitive sessions as a separate thing, not necessarily part of a medical visit, you know, where it's a complete, where I'm not diagnosing and treating disease. I'm just um, doing a um, healing session uh, through, um, it's often actually can happen even over the phone, long distance. Um, Each one of us get information intuitively through 
several different pathways. And my strongest pathway is called psychokinesis, which is the ability to see through my hand chakras or through my palms. So um, that is uh, my major tool is to see the biofield through some, through the palms of my hands of what's going on in the other person. What are some interesting stories from patients? Like, it, can you maybe give me an example of a patient who walked in with a certain ailment? Maybe they have insomnia. Maybe they just, you know, had a really terrible breakup or, you know, there's probably a host of ailments uh, going on right now. Mental illness, I think, is a big one because it's kind of the disease of our time. I'm curious, you know, what are what are some interesting stories that you've seen, or maybe you could just tell us about one. There's one theme that's really common, and that is head or neck pain. And I've seen this in several patients, um, and they're always women who come to me. And uh, so I had a patient come, and she had already had acupuncture for neck pain. She'd had several chiropractic sessions for neck pain, and she was a therapist. And I laid her on the table, and she said, this pain is just killing me, and you're recommended by a friend. And, um, and so when I put my hand, my palms over her, I saw, I mean, of course, I assessed her structurally, her neck range of motion and her thoracic area and her head. And anyways, I saw a, a cord, an energetic cord that was black and thick. And energetic cords basically come from somebody else and they come into our body. And they're usually from somebody else really close to us in our life with a strong energetic charge. And so I took a look at the cord and I saw a man and I saw, you know, what he looked like. And I asked her, there's a man in your life who's, there's some frustration there. There's some anger. Does, is there anyone you can think of? And if she said, my husband. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why I said, it's kind of a common one. And I said, well, tell me what's going on. And then she told me about her frustrations with her husband. And um, she started to cry. And we processed, what happens is, when we have something that is affecting us energetically, that's creating pain in our lives, oftentimes there's something that we need to learn. There is a lesson. Some people say it's a karmic lesson, but there's something that we, our higher consciousness needs to understand to grow our wisdom as part of becoming a better human being so that we can be better human beings and stewards on the planet and a better community. So it's not just, you know, take this cord out of me and, you know, curse my husband. It's really about, well, takes two to tango. And so what's going on here? What is the issue? So we talked through the issue, and then I had her um, take the issue to what I call Supreme Being Court, which is imagine a place where you have your highest advisors and gain um, some perspective that would result in harmony. You always want to end up with harmony between people. And what was happening is that, you know, as a therapist, she was coming home and she was talking a lot about her intense patients. And he was an engineer. And they just weren't having a lot of fun together. <laughs> I said, you know, he doesn't really need to go to couples therapy with you. I said, you guys actually need to have fun. You need to play. You need to, like, ease up. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for 
it's way too heavy. I was like, don't go get fit couple therapy. Like, go to a movie. Like, I don't know, go dancing. Like, sing together. Do something fun, you know? And so she was like, really? You know, because she's a therapist. So she thought they should do couple therapy. I'm like, yeah, really? That's what I'm getting. And that's what they did. They had fun. And sure enough, you know, by the time I was done, all her neck pain was gone and it never came back. But things resolved with her husband because they actually needed a very, they needed an influx of a certain lightness that she was kind of blocking from having happen because her path of solution was more therapy. And I was like, no, 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 you guys just need to have some good times. And I'm not opposed to couples therapy at all, but that was just the reading at the time. And so um, I've seen that many, many, many times with headaches and neck pain. Um, That's one example. There are other more uh, unusual examples I can give too. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, a lot of times, you know, with talk therapy, which I think is excellent, um, we often try to intellectualize something and we can't actually heal what's happening once we've, uh, you know, intellectualized it and gotten to the end of the intellectual intellectualization of it, right? So I think there's something, there's something about um, the emotional and spiritual solution that a lot of talk therapists don't even address on, you know, separately right. from your, from that um, issue. Energy medicine uses symbols, you know, and we use the symbol of color sometimes for uh, life force energy. Um, we may come up with a healing symbol. And when you use a symbol that's really utilizing the unconscious mind, and that can be really powerful. And energy abhors a vacuum. So just um, coming to a place of neutrality around something and maybe intellectual understanding doesn't always shift the energetic imprint. Um, And I always look at what is the exact opposite of the energy that somebody's carrying. So for example, I tend to treat some, a a lot of people with um, adrenal insufficiency and chronic fatigue. And most of those people have an infection of some kind that they've been fighting like Epstein-Barr virus or um, spirochetal infections. And um, that can lead them to a lot of apathy and despair. I mean, if you're so sick that you can't even get to work, um, you can't. You can get into a place of despair, and so I always look at well, what's the exact opposite of that? You know, the exact opposite of apathy and despair is celebration and um, triumph, right? So if you could picture a symbol of being in triumph and celebration and resonate with that symbol or pick one thing that you could do for a half an hour a day. I mean, I actually, when I have been needing a lift, I sometimes watch uh, America's Got Talent. or I watch like those little girls on stage singing for the first time and you see all the balloons coming down and the audience doing a standing ovation and they're crying and their parents are like, oh my God, you did such a great job because that that is such a celebrational, triumphant moment and it's so uplifting. Uh, and, and so when we're in these times, like you want to use a, you know, when you come into them, we need to realize that everything that we nourish our being with, whether it's what, what, what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're engaging in has a frequency. And, and so to 
use the opposite frequency of the very thing that we're trying to fix that's, if it's really low and really heavy. And, you know, that's one of the successes, right, of Hollywood and movies and soundtracks is they're actually generating a certain kind of emotional tone or frequency. And you can do that for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's interesting because sometimes I, when I wake up um, mm-hmm. and I feel maybe less motivated, I will turn on some sort of inspirational video and, mm-hmm. and you know, get in my zone. So I think that's, that's a very powerful tool. So thank you for that. I'm sure the audience mm-hmm. will appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do you want to tell our listeners about uh, health and wellness in general? You know, what is sort of like your main takeaway, if you can give our listeners a piece of advice, especially in this year, 2020, is, you know, been such a surprise, I think, to many people with this massive global epidemic. And, um, you know, and I think we're, we're all sort of thinking about our health in a different perspective. So I'm curious, you know, what's your sort of main takeaway? <laughs> well, I could be really practical and I could be really esoteric. Um, at the very practical level, because I just gave a a talk on the immune system and coronavirus. I'm a big fan of vitamin C and a big fan of vitamin D. Um, Vitamin C, you can't really get toxic with vitamin C. I mean, you could get kidney stones at very, very, very high amounts. You always want to drink lots of water. But vitamin C is profoundly good for the adrenals when under stress, as well as um, helping um, support the immune system against the virus. And vitamin D is um, very helpful in balancing the immune system. Um, the Th1, Th2 helper cells against autoimmune disease. It also stops the virus, helps stop the virus from entering and replicating in the body. And um, it's used for serotonin, which is your happy mood hormone. And most of us are depleted in vitamin D because we're not frolicking around in the sun in the middle of the day for 15 minutes nonstop with nothing on our skin to protect our skin. <laughs> most of us are in buildings um, when we're working. Um, but but those are probably, I'm, I kind of am a firm believer of supplements. I love supplements and adaptogenic herbs. Adaptogenic herbs were used by warriors when they would go on a hunt and they had to go without sleep and without food. And some of those adaptogenic herbs are profoundly intelligent um, you know, I'm a big fan of ashwagandha, which even helps with nuclear radiation. It helps the adrenal glands, helps the thyroid, helps your mood. So what adaptogenic herbs do is if your stress hormone is really high, they lower it. And if your stress hormone is low and you're tired, they raise it. So they help your body adapt. Um, and then just, you know, I think really the solution that's going to come from this planet is, you know, my motto has been, we need to rise together. So we have to think of ourselves as a global community and your global community starts with your family or the people that are in your life. And then at a more macro level, you have a whole community inside your body. So your body is not, you know, how you eat, how you sleep, what your inner languaging is, um, it's all related. Your emotions, like everything affects everything. I mean, we know that there are receptor sites in the gut for serotonin, more receptor sites for serotonin, your happy mood hormone in your gut than anywhere else in your body. You know, when people say like, follow your gut feelings, you know, and we know that there's receptor sites in the heart for, for things that normally are in the brain, that there's a 
In fact, I think this is fascinating, but the f when the sperm and the egg meet and a baby is formed, um, very early on, the brain and the heart actually sit right on top of each other. And the face is created when the brain goes up and the heart descends down, and that's what makes our face. So our face is like a depiction of like the separation between our heart and our mind. And, and balancing and bringing your heart and mind into coherence, doing an inner smile, you know, um, is profoundly, profoundly important. And it's not about glossing over and just pretending to be happy and faking being happy. Because really what causes happiness is presence and presence with all your feelings. So it's also really healthy to feel your feelings and get support, you know, like, you know, we need to be able to cry and grieve. We need to be able to get angry at times. We need to be able to celebrate and, and have joy. So I think, you know, ha having a kind of full range experience and knowing that everything is connected and um, you can't just look at one aspect without looking at the other. This is a really powerful time to be on the planet. You know, this is a really powerful time to be a change agent. Um, I think we are have an opportunity to make a whole new set of ways of being out of values and virtues that we can run our planet on in the future. Um, and so it's, it's an exciting time. And I would just encourage people to get really clear on what their big vision is for themselves, what their intention is for themselves. Honor your body as your temple and look at everything as a whole from your body to your family, to your community, everything. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Jacqueline. Yeah. So what books or resources do you recommend our audience reader check out? Is there are are there any are there any favorite books that you have that that really contributed to your your philosophy today? Well, I think some of those people are actually giving me on your show. <laughs> um I'm a big fan of Carolyn Mace. Uh I love listening to her talk, actually. She's a great writer, but she's a fantastic speaker. Um, she inspires me. She has such profound clarity and confidence. Gosh, books. Um, I mean, Francesca McCartney wrote Body of Health. That's one of the foundational books for the Academy of Intuition Medicine. Um, you know, Eckhart Tolle, that's kind of uh, been around for quite a while now, The Power of Now. Cindy Dale wrote a book on energetic boundaries that I really like. One of my favorite authors is has a very strong Christian bent is John O'Donohue. He's deceased now, Irish theologian of sorts. I absolutely, his writing is exquisite. I love Charles Eisenstein. He's really a fabulous voice of the kind of sacred masculine. Miranda McPherson, who's a dear friend of mine, wrote The Way of Grace. Um, if you want more kind of medicine science, there's Lissa Rankin. Michael Talbot wrote an interesting book about quantum physics and quantum healing. Of course, Deepak Chopra, he's one of the first, you know, thinkers of our time in, in uh, quantum health and healing. I love Joe Dispenza. 
Dr. Sue Mortar, lot, yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> an endless, yeah. an endless list. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Thank you, yeah. Jacqueline. And yeah, you're welcome. Are there any resources that you can point folks to? Like, where can they find more information about you, about your practice? Uh, I know you have an upcoming book. My website is the best place to go, which is www.drjacqueline.com, and that's spelled D-R. J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E.com. So there's no there's no period after the DR. It just is drjacqueline.com. And um, I have a book coming out called Regenerate Your Brain, which is actually about optimal health strategies for anxiety, depression, ADD, insomnia, and brain fog. And I'm working on a second book, um, which is Confessions of a Physician Mystic. And I have a number of articles um, on my website and people can email me through my website. Um, you can also set up a free 10 minute phone consult through my website. So that's really the best way to reach me. Um, I also have courses which, um, aren't being advertised right now, but will be in the future. I have online courses and, um, in energy medicine and I have my courses at energy medicine university. I have a course there called Soul Anatomy, and that's an online university, and that can be done from home on Zoom. So Wonderful. Yeah. Also, Jacqueline, for those listeners who are in a different location, maybe overseas, um, can they still schedule sessions with you remotely? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh-huh. Well, thank you so much for your time. I mean, this was a really fascinating conversation. Uh, I took a lot of notes personally. I'm sure that our listeners are going to take plenty of notes. Uh, and I've actually been in this space for quite a few years. So uh-huh. I learned I learned a lot, and I'm, I'm really grateful for your time. And yeah, you're welcome. You're such a beautiful soul. So. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Yasmin. Thank you, Jacqueline. Mm, my and pleasure. For our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about energy medicine. And if you want to check out more about this field, we'll also include all the resources and references that Jacqueline made in this show in our show notes. Please tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. 